everyone. Welcome to my show, Career Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight purpose-driven Asian leaders making an impact. This is your host, Priyanka Komla, joining you on our 101st episode of Career Leadership Podcast. A big thank you to each one of you for making this podcast what it is today and for the tremendous amount of love, support, and encouragement across the globe. Thank you so much. And as a reminder, do continue following me, Priyanka Kumla, and a Career Startup Leadership Podcast page on LinkedIn to receive your LinkedIn live notifications. And if you're going to watch this on YouTube, give us a subscribe and like so we know how this podcast is helping you become a better version of yourself. Well, you might be curious as to who my special guest is going to be for the 101 episode. And here you go. I have Salima Velani, who's an award-winning entrepreneur with me on the show. Hi, Salima. Welcome to the show. Hi, Priyanka. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And to our listeners, this is going to be a fun episode with a lot of nuggets of wisdom. Now, let me tell you who Salima is. If you haven't had the honor of knowing her until the show, well, Salima is an award-winning social impact entrepreneur. She's a keynote speaker, an adjunct professor, and the author of Innovation Starts With I. It's a fabulous book that's up for release next month. We'll hear a lot more about that book as a sneak peek to our special listeners today. Now, well, Salima is an amazing person to get to know because I've followed her work for some time and have been really amazed with her entrepreneurship skills. But more than that, the fact that she has reinvented herself several times. So a new version of Salima is here for us to be unveiled. And I'm also curious about her Asian roots. So let's get started on this episode. Are you excited, Salima? Very excited. Let's do it. Awesome. And to our listeners who are joining us live, please drop in a quick hello and the country that you're tuning in from. One lucky listener is going to get a free book gift giveaway. Well, it's the book that Salima has been working on with her thoughts and how you can be future proof in terms of getting the job that you love and being an entrepreneur. So here's an amazing chance to get that book. All you have to do is just continue hearing this episode and we'll find a way to get this book to you. All right, Salima, you know, when we spoke prior to the show, I was curious about how you've traveled all over the globe. You know, your grandfather, he started from India, he moved to East Africa, and here you are after a whirlwind tour of, you know, doing the art of living in Bangalore or moving to Brazil, moving to Italy, being an entrepreneur, trying to figure out who you are and then to Canada. And here you are finally in the US. So when you look back at your kind of an eat, pray, love story, how does it feel now that you're in one place finally? Yeah, that's a really great question. It's interesting because I think throughout all my experiences, you know, actually started when I lost my mom at the age of 16 to cancer. And I was, you know, grew up in Toronto, uh, just in the suburbs of Toronto, thought I would stay in Toronto, Canada, my entire life. And that was my my vision. I didn't really know anything else. And so when my mom passed away, I ended up trying to figure out what does home mean, because my definition of home got shaken up. And so I started traveling the world and started finding, you know, my it was just very eye opening to see how a lot of the world lived when I lived in the Dominican Republic and then Brazil, uh, moved to the south of Italy. And it was just so I spent most of my 20s, um, you know, living out of suitcases and, and traveling and even making a career in international de development in order to to continue helping and exploring the world. And that it, interestingly, that definition of home kept changing for me. And I was like, well, what does home really mean to me? And I found after that eat, pray, love trip that you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Bangalore, that was part of my trip when I went to India and I went to Bali and Thailand when my, 
my house had a fire and I got laid off from a couple of jobs and I really had to go figure out who I was and redefine home. And I realized after all of all of those experiences that home is really being at peace with myself. It doesn't have to be a physical location. And it's about that inner feeling and, you know, feeling feeling like home, feeling that, you know, I'm comfortable in my shoes, um, having the confidence, uh, knowing who I am and not just who I think I am, but seeing myself through the lens of other people and really actively introspecting and developing self-awareness and, and having that and practicing that, I think, is how I define home now. You know, it's it's a very philosophical journey, Salima, and what you are explaining to us is not easy. You know, there's a lot of spiritual journey that you'll have to do within yourself because you're trying to find happiness, joy and peace within yourself. And, you know, that's one of the underestimated skill sets for a lot of us out here, especially during the pandemic. So, you know, I'm so glad you're here sharing your story, your authentic story, which a lot of people might not be familiar with. So thank you for that. And we have a handful of our live listeners tuning in, congratulating us on our milestone episodes as well, given we just completed our 100th episode. We have Deepika Kandelwal. Hi, Deepika. Welcome to the show. And feel free to say a hello, Salima, to all our loyal live listeners as well. Hi, everyone. Thanks for engaging. And we have Pavan Vadlamudi. Hi, Pavan. Welcome to the show. We have Nabila El-Fazazi. Hi, Nabila. Welcome to the show. And thank you so much for your kind congratulatory messages as well. Now, Salima, let's go back to a couple of years, a few years, I should say, of our life. So at the age of 21, you co-founded and launched Brazil's largest and the number one language school to finance an orphanage and social development programs, you know, which has taught several thousands of students you know, up to date. How did you start this idea of being a social impact entrepreneur? Yeah, so I think for me and my experience, I wasn't trying to be an entrepreneur. For me, I had studied international development and my dream was to go uh, work at an international organization. My dream was to get that dream job that, you know, climb the ladder is, is what I was told or what I was trained or taught when growing up with my parents and, you know, following a career path. I never really explored entrepreneurship, studied it. Uh, I didn't even call myself an entrepreneur. I didn't even know it was cool. So. When I started out doing stuff, it wasn't about me trying to be an entrepreneur in the first couple of businesses that I had. It was really a secret to me because I couldn't get a job during the last crisis in 2008, 2009. And so I, I went and did this path out of survival mode as a means to hopefully find that dream job later until I realized later coming to the US that entrepreneurship was cool. I didn't have access to mentors, communities, uh, investors, like all that sort of stuff. I didn't have any of that. It wasn't marketing anything on social media. It was very much trying to solve a problem. And so for me, when I couldn't get a job, when I graduated from college in 2008, I decided to uh, you know, go get more international experience. I managed to, to, to save up a little bit and um, go to Brazil to help finance, basically, basically help out in an orphanage. And when I got there, my boss said, Slima, you're not going to work at the orphanage. I want you to be in Rio de Janeiro and I want you to help start this language school to help finance the orphanage to improve our operations because we need to keep it running. And so it's interesting how he saw a lot of the strengths in me that I didn't or he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And interestingly, when I was tasked with that, I went to Rio and started the school. There were a lot of challenges. It was very, very hard. But it was also, you know, just growing the school when we were teaching all these languages and going through the pivot of focusing on Portuguese for foreigners and seeing the impact that it had on the children. It just 
it really made me passionate about the mission and it also taught me everything it, everything basically doing an MBA within a few months of starting the school so I really learned everything on the ground uh, how to really start a business and, and run something in a very very challenging context in Brazil it's not easy and also living without water recruiting volunteers that wanted to hang out on the beach it was really challenging to find the right team put the team together and stay on mission and and so I, to answer your question, I, I wasn't trying to be a social entrepreneur. It really just kind of happened through um, wanting to add value and be of service and trying to figure out what I would do. And so I think we're in that, when we're in that process, the best thing is to, when we're trying to figure out our sweet spot or, or what we can really do that's you know our purpose, I think there's only so much we can do in our heads. We have to go out and be an active leader. We already have enough thought leaders. We need more active leaders. We need to get out and try to figure out how we can add value, how, how we can make an impact, even if it's uh, you know volunteer work or service work of some, some sort. I think especially if you're young and you're trying to figure out what to do with your career, the best place to start is to figure out how you can add value leveraging what you have. No, that's amazing. Hearing such impactful stories in a different part of the world, you know, especially the cultural challenges that you might have, the resource constraints. I'm so glad you've aced all of it. But tell me this, Salima, you've coined this terminology, which is, you know, hybrid pruner. And your story is a classic example of being a hybrid pruner. And the thing that I want to get out from this is, you know, why should we embrace this concept of hybrid pruners, especially to future proof ourselves after this global pandemic? I think we've started realizing there's more that we can do with our lives. Yeah, so I think the reason I, I created this concept or I coined it and really brought it out, especially through my book, is that I struggled a lot trying to uh, bucket myself as, you know, in innovation, we, we don't necessarily, we shouldn't really box ourselves. Like you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur. And I think I felt as I flip-flop between being an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur, because I also worked with several organizations and tried to bring innovation and make change as the, the entrepreneur within the organization. And interestingly, I felt like you had to be one or the other for many, many years. And people generally box those things. Like you're either running your own company or you're working a job. And we saw that a lot of people were lasting in their jobs, turnover was, in, turnover was increasing. And then uh, a lot of people were also failing as entrepreneurs. So I said, well, why do you have to be just one? And why don't you do both? Or why can't you, uh, you know, leverage your, your passions, do your passion projects, even if they don't necessarily have to be something that you earn a living from? Um, earning profit, it's so important to, to grow, you know, to invest in an early age and, and be able to, uh, you know, be fine financially and sustain yourself and have a, the lifestyle that you want uh, without having to, to necessarily depend on your business, especially if you're an early stage founder. And then, you know, being in that constant learning growth process and, and constantly upgrading your skills, refreshing yourself, keeping up to date with trends, and then giving back to the community, making an impact. Those are the, the four the four components of being a hybridpreneur and giving back is, is really key. I think that we should constantly be prioritized giving and whether it's giving back to to others that are trying to follow our path, whether it's, um, you know, doing work in another country, uh, just adding value of some way. I think just those four components working together is what makes you a hybridpreneur. And uh, I think that just it, it allows you to adapt to, to different situations in a very fluid way. And you can really leverage being both an entrepreneur of your life as well as an entrepreneur. Uh, there's a lot of leverage you can do with with both those paths. You know, it's very interesting. And I want to unveil a little bit of your life story as you move to, to the US. Tell us more about the, the 100 copy challenge. I think that's just an example of how you put hybridpreneur into practice as well. Yeah, so that is one of my favorite stories. 
Uh, it all happened around the time of the Eat, Pray, Love uh, trip. When I came back from India, Bali, I ended up coming back to Toronto, Canada, because that's where I usually get a visa or I get a visa from Canada to come to the United States. And interestingly, at the airport, the immigration officer didn't allow me into the United States. He said, you know, you don't have any rights to be here. You don't have all your paperwork together. Um, you need to find a proper job that will sponsor your visa. And the category I was trying to go under, they just denied me and I had never been denied entry before. And, you know, my home was in Washington and I had to go fix up after the fire. My parents were in the area in, in the US and I was like, how can I not be able to go to my house and go to the country that is not my home? And, and he let me in the next day saying that, you know, I'll give you two weeks, uh, go figure out your situation, make sure you come back with all the documentation. And uh, if you can get a visa, then you get it. Otherwise, you're, we're not gonna, you know, you can't, you can't be in the United States, you're gonna have to be in Canada. And I didn't really know how to deal with that. Because even though Canada was my, my origin country, and you know, I had a lot of extended family there, I didn't really know I didn't have a network and have uh, a home in Canada I didn't really have, it just didn't feel like home anymore to me. And so I was so driven to find a job that would sponsor my visa during those two weeks. I was trying not to stress out and panic. And I said, you know, I have two weeks to figure this out. And so I, I reached out to everyone. I went through my phone contact list and my email database, Skype. I just went through everything, every single channel. And I said, you know, let me set up 10 coffees a day or so, like eight to 10 coffees a day, happy hours, dinners, lunch, breakfast, whatever. Fill up my days of coffee and just ask people for help and be like, hey, this is my situation. Uh, I'm looking for a job. How can you help me out? Or do you know anyone I can talk to? And interestingly, I got a lot of rejections or a lot of, mm, I'll think about it or I don't have anything for you right now, or talk to this person. And interestingly, out of those 100 coffees, which I didn't really call it that at the time, but it was an exercise I went through, two people gave me a job. And one of them ended up being a consulting gig that was very, very, very interesting work I did with refugees and hydroponics. But, but basically, just doing that exercise, I realized how much people are willing to help when you ask, and you do it in a very authentic way. And, uh, and yeah, just, just having conversations and, and catching up and not only when you need to, but I think it's important to constantly be doing a hundred coffee challenge. I did that with, you know, my work when I was doing the work with refugees and hydroponics, trying to understand the different technologies to solve food, food insecurity in the Middle East and North Africa. A lot of uh, employees or interns that have worked with me, they, they use that process to find their next job. Uh, I used it for my book interviews to when I got stuck writing my book, applying that 100 coffee challenge and talking to leaders and entrepreneurs around the world. And I think even as, a, as an entrepreneur, it's important to keep building those relationships and go through a 100 coffee challenge. Now, that's very impressive. And I'm so glad you've kind of aligned it with the book as well, which I'm going to talk to you in a bit. Now, to our live listeners, please drop in a quick question or, you know, a takeaway, something that's at the back of your mind in terms of entrepreneurship and innovation, because you have the thought leader and the implementation leader right in front of you. And that's a great chance for you to win the free book. Uh, that's the, the the blood and sweat of Salima after having interviewed 100 plus leaders. So here's your amazing chance to win that book. Now, Salima, talk to us about your book. You know, something that's very cool about your book, uh, the story behind, you know, innovation starts with I, is it's self-published. You crowdfunded the book with around $40,000. And it aligns with the concept that you mentioned earlier, which is to ask for help. And I think that's just a great example of how the community has just rallied uh, to bring your book to the stage where now it's in pre-order. Talk to us about the journey from interviewing 100 leaders all the way into self-publishing the book. And how does it feel now that you're up for release? 
Yeah, wow, that could be a book of its own. That's actually a great idea. Because uh, I think that the publishing industry is changing very quickly. And so unless you have a platform or you you know, you know have a track record of, of writing books or being an author before, it's generally very hard to, to get a traditional publisher. And so basically, I, I decided to write this book many, many years ago. It was like in 2014 that I started with this concept. And then I took a break for five years until I really lived my story and had enough to really share and confidently share. Um, you know, my story and, and do it properly. And so, and also building a platform, I think is really key. When I decided to write the book, my editor said, hey, if you're self-publishing this thing, you need to you need to market your own book. You need to have a platform. You need to have an audience. And I know you've been behind the scenes most of your career, but you really need to have that. Otherwise you're, you're not gonna be successful as an author. And so a couple of years ago, I prioritized, I think about a year and a half ago, I prioritized uh, building the, the author platform and really trying to connect with other people that would be interested in my message. And then uh, just going through the process, I tried to, to write a lot of my own stories, but I got stuck very quickly and said, you know, there's only so much I can write from my own perspective and I, you, when you're trying to write a book and you know develop thought leadership and share, it's important to to talk to other people and get their perspective and and see how they perceive you based on your own story as well as what are their perspectives around the topics that you're writing about. And so just going through that process when I felt stuck, as I always feel, whenever I feel stuck, I do the 100 coffee challenge. And I decided to interview 100 people and and just learning from all those insights really helped shape my book and created so many interesting conversations that uh, added a lot of value and helped me create tools and or adapt tools and and make the book more valuable to the reader. Uh, and then, you know, just the process of, of, I also went around the world and did design thinking workshops and, and workshops with entrepreneurs, just trying to really understand uh, I didn't want this to be just a North American uh, focused book. I really wanted this to to be for global, you know, leaders globally. And so, uh, just going through the experience before the before you know many months before the lockdown, uh, traveling to countries like Liberia, Morocco, uh, Panama, going to interview different entrepreneurs, it really helped me uh, you know expand my perspective and understand that we're actually a lot more similar than we think, but we also face a lot of different challenges around the world. And so just going through that experience uh, helped me get, you know, drive the book to the finish line, which now it's in the process of, uh, it's going to, to publish in, in the next uh, month. And so just going through that process really helped me grow as an individual and actually step into my own next version of myself. So I kind of had to live the story I was telling in a different way in and in a more evolved version. So that was very interesting. And then just the process of, uh, you know, publishing, it was a lot of work to trying to figure that out. And I built a team to, to really help me with everything to do with the editing and the conceptualization, uh, you know, getting mentors, advisors, getting uh, a lot of the, I'm very visual. So having a, a good design team and illustrators, artists really bring everyone together to, to bring something very authentic to me, which you'll see when the book comes out. And uh, yeah, the crowdfunding process was also very challenging because I said, you know, if I'm going to do this myself or finance this myself, there's only so much I can do. And, and I'm not going to really get the word out by, by trying to do it all myself. And then what's going to happen? I put it on Amazon and then who's going to buy my book? And so I said, you know, let me figure out how to leverage the community and have their buy-in and actually uh, leverage the pre-orders and have sponsors collaborate with different, different people and, um, you know, just, just, it was so interesting how people were really, really willing to, to step in, you know, support the project uh, and, and actually enhance it. I learned a lot more about my audience through that project. Uh, crowdfunding was very challenging, but it also gave me the confidence in what I was writing about and, and helped me drive it to the finish line. And, you know, just, um, yeah, I would say it, it was a, it was a basically a, an exercise that I call like your a rejection ritual in a way, because you're going to ask and more people are going to reject you than <laughs> support you. And you really have to 
uh, not take things personally and be able to move on and say, you know, there are people going to support and there are people that aren't going to support and you can't, um, you can't make everyone happy. Same with the book. You can't make everyone, not everyone's going to love your book. And so uh, just going through that process was a very uh, resilience building uh, exercise for myself. And, uh, and yeah, so the book is coming out in about a month and April. And so really excited about it. And I'd say self-publishing is really, really challenging, but I think there's enough resources and information and community and, you know, different types of support out there that can help. And I think that it's a really great way to manage the creative process yourself and, uh, and really own your book. I think that a lot of uh, people are choosing to self-publish now instead of traditionally publish. You know, that's very cool. And the thing that I love about your story is the fact that you got to be resilient and fail smartly because most of us, have this fear of failing to begin with, so don't we don't even end up trying it. But how do you how do you move on? Just take it in a positive stride. I think that's just a success story that we have to keep hearing very often, especially in these challenging times. Yeah, no, very much so. I think that 2020 was a year of the pivot for many of us, and I, I call this a reinvention revolution, where we're constantly needing to reinvent ourselves and go from version 1.0 to. 2.0 or 2.0 or 3.0 or wherever you are in your life, we have these different episodes called life quakes, as you heard uh, when my house burnt down and a lot of things I got laid off from those jobs and I had to go on that eat, pray, love trip and uh, find out who I was. I think that we have a lot more of that happening more frequently and we have to be able to do it faster. So you might have one really big life quake. It might be your, in my case, you know, your quarter life crisis. And, and then it gets a bit smoother if you're able to be proactive in your reinvention rather than reactive. Because I was reactive, it was very intense for me and uh, a very, very tough time for me. I had to get a lot of support to, to get through that period. Uh, but it came out, I came out very strong, um, you know, through that process, like I mentioned, through the 100 Coffee Challenge, um, getting really fulfilling work, really figuring out, you know, you can only spend so much time in your head trying to figure out who you are. You have to go out and, and do stuff and take action. And, and you know, you, we make stuff happen, even though innovation starts with I, we make innovation happen by, um, you know, partnerships and collaboration and community. You know, that's amazing. And we have a, a comment from one of our live listeners. Uh, we have Pavan Vadlamudi who joined us briefly and he would like to share that. Um, he loved your story, Salima. So thanks for uh, sharing that part of it. And thank you, Pavan, for joining us as well. And hope you'll join us at a, another future episode too. Now, uh, you know, as you were talking about the 100 Coffee Challenge, you know, I'm I'm trying to resonate it with my podcast, given we just finished our 100th episode. And now when I look back at my journey for the last 20 months, it's been the same kind of experience where you're looking to gain more wisdom, gain more perspective about life and become a stronger version of yourself, not just for yourself, but also share that wisdom with your community so everybody could unveil and reinvent the next version. So thank you. You know, as I was uh, connecting the dots, it made me feel so... Uh, uh, you know, so good that talking with people is is one of the best things that can happen. And I think it's a great way to meet more connections during this pandemic, especially. Very much so. And, and I think not even just catching up with people that you know or have you haven't caught up with in many years, but also just creating new connections. I think people are more willing to accept your connection on LinkedIn if you don't know them, but you have something in common or something that you're interested in. Uh, just being really authentic about it. I think people are more willing to connect now virtually since that is the world we're living in. And I also wanted to share that uh, I do have a 100 Coffee Challenge tool, like a project management tool to, to manage your coffee, um, virtual coffee drinking process and, and setting up your meetings and follow-ups and everything. And it's, uh, it's available. I can uh, share it in the show links later. Awesome. We'd be happy to do that. We have a question from Deepika Kandelwal. 
What was your support system through your journey? Can you share a little more insight? Sure, yeah. So I'd say that it's important to have a solidarity squad. Uh, and for me, the support network consisted of, you know, having mentors, having coaches, having a therapist, um, really getting help. I think mental health, uh, you know, mental health, it's, it's so important. I think that we don't want to wait until it's too late uh, and we go through some sort of crisis. I think it's important to be proactive about that and, and make sure that we're getting the help we need when it comes to mental health. I think that, you know, just having guidance, whether it's mentors, advisors, sponsors, uh, career coaches, whatever it is, just try different methods. Even if you're listening to certain podcasts that, you know, regularly while you're working out or, or you know, cooking or doing something, just constantly, um, you know, keeping up to date and, and listening to, to conversations that might inspire you or guide you in some way or inspire you to, to, to do things differently that, you know, more intentionally, I think that's really important. So I was constantly, uh, you know, reading, listening to podcasts, uh, keeping in touch, even though I didn't really want to talk to a lot of people during that time, because it was so challenging. But also, when it comes to support network, I think also, you know, the tools that I had with, um, you know, I did a lot more yoga, I was doing meditation, I was um, really working on my breathing, I was trying different ways to, to connect more to myself, because I knew that I couldn't just rely externally on other things to make me happy, I had to do that work. And I had to be okay with, um, you know, accepting my emotions and accepting this is part of my journey and everything that goes down has to come up anyways. And so this is just gonna, this is gonna not gonna be, this is not gonna be permanent, so. You know, I, I totally agree with you. The healing journey, trying to figure out who we are, it has to come from within us, but it's good to have a squad, you know, a cheerleader group who root for us and who see us, you know, through the layers. I think that's very important, especially uh, during these challenging times. Deepika, thank you so much for that uh, uh, interesting question as well. Now, let's go back to your book, Salima. I want to focus more about, you know, you're, you're talking about the 12 future-proof work capabilities that we all need. Can you give us a sneak peek into what those are and, you know, one key takeaway that you would love to share with our listeners from the book as well? Yeah, sure. So through the interviews, I identified 12, um, <coughs> sorry, 12 proof capabilities. And so uh, it starts with self-awareness. I think self-awareness was often left out of the innovation conversation and the importance of uh, knowing yourself, but, you know, through the lens of other people as well. Um, the second one is um, is intuition. I think intuition is, is very important. Uh, curiosity, uh, originality, which I'm also redefining that it's not about having new ideas, but how do we leverage existing things to come up with original combinations of ideas? Uh, also, you know, Influencing other people, I think empathy is really key. Uh, you know, collaboration. Uh, there's quite a few. I mentioned influence in the book. Uh, another chapter is on. Um, yeah, there's like storytelling, resilience, uh, building all these different skills. Also, prioritization is a very important skill. Uh, being able to to manage different tasks, being able to know what to do, delegate, uh, dump or delay. And so the book is basically these 12 chapters that are, you know, starting with the the framework of I We World and and trying to really take people from that individual journey and expanding out into the through other people into the world and making a ripple impact. And so yeah, those 12 capabilities are important because. We always hear, you know, having these certain future work skills, but skills are, you know, they 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 go to a certain extent. But capabilities, you can actually adapt and um, use your capabilities in different ways. And so, because we're constantly needing to adapt to different situations, I think it's important to develop those human capabilities because we see automation increasing, and it's those capabilities, those human elements that are gonna that are gonna help us thrive. You know, that's very true. So, what is one? Is there a favorite chapter in the book that you really love? 
Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say favorite per se. There are a few that I really, really like. I think that the, the first few chapters are very strong because there's lots of tools in them. And I think it's um, very, very uh, strong on the inner work and personal journey that people go through. Um, I'd say probably, mm, I think my prioritization chapter is one of my favorites because I think that it's uh, it's really helpful and actionable for people to, there's lots of tools in there to help people actually, um, you know, understand what it's like to be a hybridpreneur and, and develop into that. I also think another chapter I really like is on uh, intuition. I think finding your sweet spot. I think it helps people really reflect on their lives and find their sweet spot through, uh, you know, looking at what are the things that they excelled in, uh, what are the things people see that they excelled in or the praise they got from other people, what are the things that bring them the most joy, and then really tapping into that unknown area where the, what are the things that you're open to testing, and I think that's where innovation lies, and so that chapter is really great because it has a lot of tools as well and, and helps people really, uh, you know, find their purpose or find their sweet spot and really own in on that. I'm excited for the prioritization chapter, especially because I think this pandemic has led to a lot of burnouts, especially for a lot of, uh, uh, you know, for all, people are all across the, the diaspora as we are juggling multiple roles and, you know, trying to do our best uh, in these challenging situations. So can you share a prioritization tip that has worked well for you? What's your hack for prioritization? Yeah, so prioritization, I think delegating, I, I think, you know, I used to work for, for Upwork or Elance before Upwork, and uh, I used to teach entrepreneurs how to hire remote teams, teach startups. I used to manage a WeWork partnership and and do a bunch of trainings and lunch and learns and, and sponsor events and really try to help entrepreneurs build remote teams. And this was many years ago, back in 2013, 14, 15, when a lot of people were like, nope, I'd rather hire locally. And, and the concept of uh, growing globally, like starting globally to be able to have more um, impact locally was not very much accepted. And it was constantly being rejected because a lot of people were like uh, blaming it on the platform or blaming it on um, the the freelancers or the, the remote workers and not really seeing that they can develop that. Uh, and this is another chapter of my book is the intercultural intelligence, the global mindset of how do you really manage people in, in different countries and uh, build a remote global team. And so I think that um, that's a really key skill. And, and I think that, you know, uh, the prioritization chapter helps people really understand how to 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 think about things differently and, and focus on what they're good at and then outsource or delegate the rest and really figure out what should you be focused on doing or what's most important to your business goals. Uh, what are things you can delegate that maybe it's not worth your time trying to get good at? If you're an entrepreneur, you should not be spending a ton of time trying to figure out your branding and marketing and building a logo and website and all that stuff. You need to be really focused on getting customers, but also making them wildly successful and, and not just thinking about yourself. Uh, I think that that's, you know, it's, it's tricky being an entrepreneur because you have to really support your own livelihood and think a lot about yourself. But then at the end of the day, we become successful through helping other people become successful. And so prioritizing your impact, I think is key. And then, you know, being able to know when to delay something or dump it, you know, is it something that can be postponed? Is it something that you could, you know, completely take off your list and might allow you to remove that overwhelm and focus on what you should be focused on. So I think um, that's one of my favorite chapters because I think it's very actionable and practical and helps people actually uh, gives people tools to actually prioritize their time and their tasks better to make more impact because we're wearing so many hats. It's really hard to juggle, you know, where it, I even have a different way of uh, writing your bio, which I think that traditional long bio, it's, it's become obsolete. Now we have to really think about how to express ourselves in those different hats, you know, being a generalist, for example, that was, uh, you know, taboo or not seen very well to be a, to be a generalist because then you, what value do you bring? And so I think that I'm really all about, you know, leveraging 
being, I wouldn't say generalist, but being able to have these different hats because you're able to adapt to different situations. And so the chapter really dives deeper into that. I love that, prioritizing your impact. Uh, I think that's something that we all of us can take a moment and reflect and figure out like where exactly we can't delegate and that's exactly the kind of work that we should be doing. So thank you for reiterating that to us. And we have a comment from Deepika who says, great advice, thanks for sharing. Thank you, Deepika. We have a fun rapid fire on for you, Salima. Are you ready for it? Totally ready, let's go. All right, so tell us the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the following and in one word, role model, Layla Jana. What does happiness mean to you? Inner peace. How do you define success? Impact. What is one fun thing about Salima that is exclusive to our Career Leadership Podcast listeners? Salima speaks lots of languages. I know. So I know at least two of them, uh, Spanish and Portuguese. So I have something fun that I'm going to make you do towards the end of the episode. But tell us, what is your native language and one word to describe yourself in it? Hmm. My, English, my native language is English. And I'd say, uh, yeah, being a, a polyglot is, is who I am. You know, that's pretty impressive. And that's a fun way to sum up our episode today, Salima. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and, you know, the wonderful things that make who you are, you know, the real authentic Salima. Do you have any parting thoughts to our listeners? So I just want to say that, uh, you know, if you're on this path of reinventing yourself, um, just look at it as an opportunity. Uh, sometimes adversity is actually an opportunity or, an op you know, an opportunity in disguise. And so I think just being really proactive about that reinvention is really key. And uh, and if you are an entrepreneur, really, again, it's a, it's a time where a lot of us are, are thinking about becoming entrepreneurs, which I think in the future of work, which we already and a lot of people should be entrepreneurs or hybridpreneurs, as I said, doing multiple things, but really trying to be the CEO of your life and, um, you know, think about where you want to be and, and what you need to do to get there. And um, if you need direction or you need strategy, don't try to be the strategist um, and try to figure out the direction yourself. There's lots of support out there. Uh, you know, I run a business accelerator where we actually help entrepreneurs get that direction and strategy to get there because entrepreneurs are oftentimes trying to be the visionary and the executor and the strategist and the designer, all these different roles at the same time. So really think about where you want to be and, and what are the things you need to get there and what kind of support you need as well in your journey. You know, that's very impressive. Thank you so much, Salima, on that. So for me, the three key takeaways on our 101st episode with Salima Villani, who's an award-winning social impact entrepreneur is, one, resilience is very key as a leadership trait. And two, fail smartly. And I would say fail often in a smart way. And But the most important aspect is prioritize your impact. I think as entrepreneurs, we all need to Keep that at the back of our mind. And the third and the most important of all is have an amazing support system who believes in you, who trusts in you, no matter what you're going through. So those are the three key takeaways for me. Salima, any other parting thoughts before we wrap up this episode today? Mm, no, that's it. Thank you so much. Awesome. So here's the fun thing that I want to make you do. So given that, you know, um, Portuguese and uh, I think Spanish as well, right? You want to teach me? You want to teach me how to say this? I'm going to ask our listeners to subscribe to Career Leadership Podcast on YouTube. So tell me how can I how can I make this peppy and uh, say this in Portuguese? Yeah, so you can say uh, you would say in Portuguese, in Brazilian Portuguese, uh, mm -hmm. pode pode ligar pode ligar pode ligar. Okay. 
you got to go slow for me <laughs> it's it's my first time i'm hearing portuguese on my life sure so vocês podem ligar vocês podem ligar amels canais amels canais sociais sociais eh para manter contato para manter contato no, amazing <laughs> there's there's a different ways to say it but but yeah basically you know connect with me and um stay in touch on YouTube or, or whatever channel and so there's different ways to say it um and Brazilian Portuguese is very different than than Portuguese from Portugal so it really depends on on who you're talking to that's awesome so to our live listeners and those who are going to watch this on replay or hear it on a podcast streaming platform we've taken the step to learn portuguese to encourage you to subscribe to our youtube channel so i hope you'll use this um, you know as an amazing way to uh, encourage us to learn more new languages you know that's the fun thing that i'm going to do with my upcoming guests as well so thank you so much salima this was amazing and um, i'm so glad you know amit's your busy schedule of taking time to be on our show to amplify asian voices so thank you so much again and to all our live listeners pavan wadlamudi deepika kandelwal We also had uh, Nabila thank you so much for your thoughts and your kind words of encouragement and to win the free book all you have to do is just drop in one key takeaway and we'll announce the winners in a couple of weeks so feel free to uh, drop in a, a quick uh, takeaway and we have Deepika who says obrigada is that portuguese that's portuguese that's thank you jinada deepika Janara Deepika thank you so much this is fun it's a nice way to engage and uh, learn new languages thank you so much Salima and thank you Deepika as well i hope you'll drop a key takeaway which will give you a chance to win this free book from Salima as well and to our wonderful listeners do continue to follow me Priyanka Komla and a career leadership podcast page on LinkedIn and if you're watching this on YouTube give us a subscribe and like for our podcast lovers please give us a like subscribe and We would love to get a review and rating on how this podcast has helped you become a better version of yourself. Until our next episode, which is going to happen next Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern with an amazing guest. This is your host, Priyanka Komla, signing off from Career Leadership Podcast, a podcast to spotlight purpose-driven Asian leaders making an impact. Thank you and have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you, Salima, as well. Thank you so much. Thank you.